Welcome to It's Complicated, the Couple's Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists, and today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. All right, episode 48. Welcome, everybody. Talia, how you feeling? I'm a little anxious. Whoa, you're anxious? I don't want to talk about that. Oh. <laughs> no, thank you. Are wow. you going to avoid us talking about I'm it? Gonna, I'm, I think we can, I'm going to hop off the line here and leave you by yourself to talk about your anxiety. I don't want none of that. Thank you. And I'm going to feel abandoned. That's the idea. <laughs> I want to abandon you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> heck yeah we're gonna talk about that dynamic our anxious avoidant attachment deep dive what the hell does that mean (laughs) well we've we've touched on it in previous episodes when we talk about attachment styles Mm -hmm. and how we relate to one another and what attachment styles are and i think today would be the perfect episode given that it's valentine's day to Mm. be able to discuss more in depth maybe the patterns of anxious avoidant relationships, why these patterns exist, how to get off the crazy roller coaster that it feels like when you're on them. Um, That's kind of, I think, the point for us to be able to have that discussion today so people can be aware, oh, this thing is happening in my relationship and Mm -hmm. maybe how to help it. Yeah, and really normalize, at least for me, my goal is to really normalize this pattern. Um, As a brief like reminder also, so we're going to talk this, these anxious and avoidant styles mm-hmm. are types of um, insecure attachments. Mm-hmm. And for those who haven't heard, go back to our episode on attachment styles to really get a, an, an explanation that, that we've already done. Tali and I have already yeah. talked about all this. So heads up listeners, but we're just going to focus on these two types of insecure attachments, the anxious and the avoidant and how this pattern plays out when you have two people in relationship with these styles of attachment and these ways of relating to one another. Cause it's super common and it's really challenging. It's really hard to be in when you're in that space. So yeah. just demystify that as is our mission on this podcast to explain what's going on and to give some insights and some practical, you know, tips and tricks as always of, Hey, if you're noticing this in your relationship, what you can be doing. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nice. So Ty, take it away and kind of start by like, I guess, I mean, start where you want, but I, I guess I was thinking like, hey, can you help explain this pattern? What the hell we're talking about to the listeners? Yes. Yes. So when we take a look at anxious avoidant relationship tendencies, so imagine if you will, and we're not on video, so you'll definitely have to imagine holding your hands like in front of yourself, right? Like your palms are open, kind of just your palms are open. If you have the anxious person in your right hand and the avoidant person in your left hand, when we connect, it's like magnets, right? We're drawn towards one another because, and this is what we talked about in our first episode about attachment. If I'm anxious in my attachment style, I deeply fear being abandoned, right? So I'm likely to engulf my partner and really need a lot of reassurance that I won't be abandoned. So I am now moving my hand towards my avoidant partner, right? And if they're truly avoidant and they, it's, they're going to fear engulfment because that's avoidant attached people often fear being too engulfed or losing their independence in the relationship. 
It's going to drive them further away, which furthers the anxious person's narrative of, see, I'm too much. I'm too much for people. I'm too much to be in a relationship. I always drive people away. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the patterns that we see. I think this does tie into what we've touched on before, that pursuer withdrawer pattern Mm -hmm. that we see in relationships. The anxiously attached person is more likely to be the pursuer Mm -hmm. in this case. And then the avoidant person would be more likely to be the withdrawer. And they're not withdrawing with the intent, in this case, avoidant attachment style to hurt you. Mm-hmm. they're withdrawing because it's too much for them and they mm-hmm. feel engulfed and it's not safe the, the amount of closeness that the anxious person wants isn't safe in the avoidant person's brain and so they needed to create space between the partnership to self-soothe and kind of come back down before they can re-engage so if you imagine and this is i'm assuming what the eft cycle shows also because i've worked with that chart it's like a figure eight right so it's not only your two palms are holding the attachment styles and you can imagine lowering one hand and raising another, right? Whatever activates the anxious person is usually what soothes the avoidant and vice versa. It's like a chess clock, the competitive chess clocks where you do the move and you hit the button and it pops the other person's button and then they have a chance to make a move. That's how I explain it to people I work with is you're feeling really activated or you're feeling really triggered. That has its own other connotation in today's society. So feeling activated is usually a more comfortable term for both men and women that I work with. Being able to share with them, it's okay to be activated. It's how we handle it, right? If this is your pattern, you like the high highs and low lows. And it's almost like being on a roller coaster, just like a very distinct, like up, down, up, down, you know, like uh, what's the, like the, the heart monitor or whatever it is when they're showing like a lie detector where it's like, bing, 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 like off the charts. And then it just kind of goes a little bit more normal. And then that's what, when you're on that anxious avoidant roller coaster, you get addicted to that it's really intense. And that's why anxious people often pick fights (laughs) because they're like, things are going too well. I need closeness. I need this. So they'll pick a fight, which will cause this huge blow up. And then once things calm down, they can go, ah, see. And my perspective on this is if they, if the person you're with still stays afterwards, it must mean they really love you. Right. As a therapist, I think this, because if they can stay after this conflict, then I'm definitely not going to get abandoned, right? So it's like as high as our high is, as low as our low. And so when we're having this up and down roller coaster feeling, when we're in a normal relationship, it's like, blech, like this doesn't feel as exciting to me. I need the, the thrill of the ups and downs. So in a nutshell, I would say the deep dive between anxious and avoidant attachment styles would be what activates one, soothes the other. And if you really do think of it like the chess clock, Whatever I need as an anxious person to not have that abandonment fear come true is likely going to drive my avoidant partner away. And whatever I need is, if I'm the avoidant partner, whatever I need with space, if I don't communicate that properly to my anxious partner, I'm inadvertently creating more conflict because I'm not explaining why the space is important and I'm making their abandonment narrative come true, right? And the same vein, the anxious person, I'm too much, people leave me because they need space, but in my anxious avoid my anxious brain, it would be they're taking space because I'm being abandoned, not because they need to soothe them- themselves. So that is the general summary I give when I work with clients specifically about this pattern. What about you? What would you add? Well, I love everything you're saying. I think the only thing I would add is I frame it in the sense of these are strategies for connection. We have these styles <laughs> that we developed when we were young. And then they play out in these strategies for connection. So when you're just going with that anxious style, the strategy for connection is the big fight. Like you said, picking the fight. Hey, because that, as you said, can often be looked at as a pursuing strategy. 
I need more communication, more emotion, more here because I'm so alone over here in this relationship. I'm feeling so lonely, so by myself. I really need to have a ruckus so that I can feel soothed and assured that we're connected. So it's a stra- it's actually a great strategy for connection. Hey, hello, I'm over here. Talk to me, please. Please talk to hello, me. Hello, my baby. Connected. Hello, my honey. Yes. <laughs> Whereas the avoidant uh, person, their strategy for connection, as you're saying, we can label as say a withdraw is, whoa, this is so overwhelming, like you were describing, because I've learned that, hey, when there's this fight or this conflict or this discussion, whoop, that's not safe. That is not a safe relationship to be in based on my childhood that I learned that when things were like that, it wasn't safe. So instead for me to stay connected in the relationship, I'm going to withdraw, mm-hmm. which seems counterintuitive based on the way we normally look at that language. But it, mm-hmm. when you remember that that avoidant style is a strategy for connection, it makes a lot of sense. It's let me bring the overwhelm of my emotional experience down so I can tolerate being in this relationship. Mm-hmm. i.e. let's not fight that's horrible let's stay together and have fun because if we fight we end up in separate rooms pissed off at each other if we don't fight we can keep watching our tv show together and we can keep playing magic the gathering which is my favorite card game in the world so <laughs> we can do all those things so that's the thing i would add is remembering that these styles are actually connection strategies and to wrap up why this is a pattern that can easily happen is those strategies for connection, as you said, influence the other person's strategy, which perpetuate it, perpetuates it. If mm-hmm. I'm anxious and my strategy for connection is to pick a fight and have lots of talking and emotion, that influences my avoidant partner to withdraw because they need to stay you know, under that threshold so it's tolerant. So they want to stay connected by lowering the overwhelm in their system but then lowering that and not having a conversation so you're not fighting, again, influences the anxious person to be like, whoa, see, you are leaving me. You aren't talking to me. Let me get even louder and pick a larger fight and maybe even get nasty because I need a reaction. Into, and then the withdrawal is like, whoa, this is even more, sorry, the um, avoidant style is even more overwhelmed. So they're going to completely get out of the picture. And again, cycle, 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 back and forth, back and forth, influence each other's strategies. Yes. Super. I love, I love the description, (laughs) even in, even in this so intense, it's strategies for connection. And I love that because I'm like, this is like a really messed up and painful pattern that we go through. (laughs) Again, optimism and pessimism. (laughs) Or realism, I should say. It is messed up in that it is self-fulfilling. It is, it influences, it continues itself and it leaves both partners wickedly hurt and very alone. You get, it's so distressing for both partners in these different styles when they're interacting this way. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's from my, my perspective and my training that we looked at because that, they are strategies for connection. And I always like to describe it. If I haven't really done some of the podcasts before, I love using this with clients where I explain, so I'm half Italian, half Irish. The Italian side of my family is the classic loud Italian. So at the dinner table there, yeah, we are loud, we're talking and people outside the family go like, why are you yelling? And we're like, we're not yelling. We're, this is how we talk. We're just loud. Yep. Same. So we connect through loud, boisterous um, discussion. And that feels great in that family. Other half of me, the Irish side, 
admittedly, yes, plenty of Irish families are just as loud as Italian, but for my Irish side, they're the more um, quintessential, quiet, reserved yeah. Catholic family, which means ah. at that dinner table, you we don't talk me. about stuff. We speak, <laughs> you know, you know, very, uh, we're not going to get into loud fights. We're not going to go into um, stigma conversation because our version of connection on the Irish side is about keeping a nice, calm, you know, pace. And that's how we can stay connected and have good civil discussion, much more reserved. Both families are awesome families. They connect well together. The loud uh, Italian side loves connecting that way. The reserved Irish family loves connecting that way. And they're super duper happy together. Neither one is wrong. Their strategies for, for connection are very effective and awesome. It's mm-hmm. just when you blend them into me half and half and you have a half Italian, half Irish person, mm-hmm. or in this case, you know, the analogy for relationship and they have different strategies for connection, the strategies turn into that negative interaction pattern, this mm-hmm. anxious avoidant cycle that can go down. Um, neither person has, is wrong in their connection strategies. It's just they've paired up with someone who is different from them, which guess what? that's what happens. You're going to date someone who's not you. Thank goodness. And uh, yeah, right. And I think deeper than that, and I like to bring it to people who are listening to this maybe, or people who are, people who are listening to this who either aren't in therapy or like, yeah, that's very nice, but what does it feel like kind of a thing? Yeah. 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 And making it about this is, it's, messed up for both sides of it right if you are the anxiously attached person and you do and I work with a lot of anxiously attached people yeah I'm too much I'll never get my needs met I try and tell my partner things and I feel like they don't care Mm -hmm. I'm gonna lose this relationship I need to spend all my waking moments with them just so they don't abandon me you're not even showing up as you and that's Mm -hmm. very painful for the avoidant person Mm -hmm. I I have been avoidant in pockets of time but it's not like Mm -hmm. my standard strategy um and it's usually my gut intuition being like this is not the right person so it's Mm -hmm. different than like true attachment but Mm -hmm. it's painful for them too to feel like they have to overwork and that when they do connect with their partner it's so intense for them and it's like oh that's enough like one night a week is just enough for me I'd rather work I don't want to be engulfed my independence needs to come first I can't Mm -hmm. believe my partner wants to see me more than once a week etc etc neither of those are fun, right? And those are kind of the symptoms of, or if you look at people who have their different attachment styles, that's what you're going to be noticing, right? Workaholics, helpaholics, anything aholics, so to speak, <laughs> it's anything external to the relationship, right? And I've shared this before in the podcast that I had an ex who's very avoidantly attached. However, kind, generous, loving, positive me was like, oh, he's secure. Cause I like looked like his parents are married. He has a sister that he's close with, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was not accurate on that assessment. So every time <laughs> I leaned in, I'm like, why are you leaving me? Like, yeah. why do I feel 14 in this adult relationship? Yeah. And I've shared before, I remember I was like, you need to read this fucking article before we sit down and have this discussion because I am pissed. Yeah. And I, well, I sat down and we were talking and I was like, I don't even want to know if you read the article yet. And I was like talking in this tone because I too am Italian. <laughs> and I was just like, because uh, I'm going to lose my shit if I found out that you did it. Like, yeah. I'm just going to talk as if you have, and I'm going to ask you at the end. So don't even talk right now. He was just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> mind you, I was very activated. Yeah. And by the yeah. end of it, he's like, I am avoidant. And I was like, ding. <laughs> so much sense. I was like, this is great news. And he's like, yeah. why? Like, he's like, you're nuts. Like, why are you looking <laughs> like that? And I was like, we can work through this. Like, this is a pattern that yeah. therapy can help with books, this, that, whatever. 
he never did any of that shit. Like he's the same person. <laughs> and you and I have talked about it off air. Like same yeah. person today, just as fucking avoidant, like will never probably change. And that's because it's his choice to change it. And he is aware that that is his pattern. But there's going to be some people who can tolerate that, right? Not everybody has the same desire for the level of connection. I think that's where I'll borrow from your language is these are strategies for connection. But each person, including their attachment style, has a different threshold for how much connection they desire and they really crave and are comfortable with, right? So past and beyond attachment styles if you're anxiously attached, securely attached, or avoidantly attached, there's not one set recipe for anxious people want four date nights a week, avoidant people want one date night a week, and secure are okay with whatever amount. There, that's, that's the nuanced piece that this is going to be different in every dynamic, but more often than not, avoidant people are comfortable, their threshold is lower, and it will be met faster with less time together, less intimacy, less, etc. The anxious person has a higher threshold and a higher desire for connection. And secure people, because they're secure, right, come and go. So when we look at anxious and avoidant, they're these dramatically magnetized partnerships, because in anxious attachment, especially, if I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not this, I'm going to overwork, overproduce, and this part does come from childhood because we didn't get our needs met by our parents. And so this is a connection strategy from childhood to be like, if I'm only present enough, smart enough, this enough, blank enough, then my partner will love me, right? It's trying to heal that parental wounding often or primary caregiver wounding that obviously I'm going to pick an avoidant person because who better to you know, support that narrative that I have in my head of like, I have to work extra hard to get love. And the avoidant person is going to make you feel like that, right? The more they pull away, the more they this, the more they that, it goes to your brain and goes, I have to try even harder, right? It's not a signal of, I actually don't want to feel like shit in this relationship. So I'm not going to be in it anymore. And I'd rather be with a secure person or learn how to be secure. And on the flip side with avoidant, if that's too much for you, and you do feel like your partner is asking too much or wanting too much, et cetera, but there is a rational part of you, or maybe you talk to your buddies about it and you're like, they're actually not asking for that much. I don't know why this feels so intense. That's a good time to take a step back and go, okay, what am I reasonably able to give? How can I expand and stretch myself to meet my partner more? And you'll often find that they ask for less. Once you follow through and give them a level of connection that you're both comfortable with, this pattern can start to go away because you know that you'll have connection, right? And I think that's where I, I know that that's where I want to hear your opinion on that, that piece of it is when we learn how to navigate this anxious and avoidant tendency, we can move towards more security, but it has to be that mutual conversational agreement. And most people who don't go to therapy are not really able to heal this attachment wound like you and I would with our couples in our offices deeply yeah. because it's just this excuse my French clusterfuck of emotion <laughs> yeah. that it's like, I want this, I want that. It's, it, it's too much intensity for people to navigate. And that's when I work with my anxiously attached individuals, I say the same thing pretty much every session. I'm like, you're going to be on this roller coaster till you can't handle it anymore. I'm here no matter what, whoever you choose to partner with, if you want to keep making it work with the same one, fine. But you need to know that you're addicted to the drama of this. And I'm very blunt. I'm like, I love you, but you're addicted to the drama of this. And this partner is not going to be your dad or mom, whoever they're trying to heal their wound with. <laughs> Just know that when you choose to make a conscious effort in this relationship, you will not get the partnership you want out of that person because they're not doing the work. They don't even know what attachment styles are. They don't know the pattern. They're 21, like all these other, <laughs> all these other factors that I'm like, no, like it's just probably not going to happen now. It doesn't mean it'll never happen. I think 
what you're asking me about is where I kind of see this connection element and shift that could yes. happen. Yes. I think you described pretty well. It, I mean, like, like everything we talk about, first you have to be aware. It's yeah. always about, hey, so you're, you know, listeners, you're taking some of this, this information and trying to apply mm -hmm. it to your relationship. And part of the conceptualization is we're all in these spectrums when it comes to how much connection we seek and how we, how we seek it. So if you're looking to increase and start practicing more secure attachment, mm, I don't use that term. If you're looking to kind of shift in your relationship on the spectrum of connection, if you're acknowledging, hey, I'm the anxious person, starting to soften your ways of connecting so they're not as high demand and pulling back and maybe trying to really tolerate not picking a fight, maybe tolerating not having as much time, that's going to put you into that distress. But also if you practice that, then you'll start seeing, as you said, a different self-fulfilling prophecy. You'll notice your avoidant partner checking in with you more often. Like, yes. Hey, how are you? What's going hey. on? And you're like, oh my gosh, they just initiated a check-in with me? What? Because <laughs> they felt safe enough and they missed exactly. you because they really do care about you. And yes. on the flip side, if you're the avoidant partner, then you know kind of your work is to shift to more connection and really engaging more so that if you notice as the avoidant partner, you put a little bit more work into doing those check-ins or, hey, how are you doing today, honey? Um, then you'll notice, oh my gosh, my partner isn't flipping out on me and, and you know, pressuring me to talk Probably all the time 37 anymore. times in a row. Yeah. And, and it's just, you're basically setting up a new self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, that's, so the that, that's, that's the small yeah. part. Yeah. In, in our sessions, when you're working with a therapist, we go a lot deeper and we, you know, for example, like I'll really support my couples in getting into the, the deep emotions of what it's mm -hmm. like in, in anxious or avoidant attachment, the fears and the hurts that are a part of it. And I assist couples in sharing those really intimate, genuine experiences um, but that's when you need to kind of like upgrade and, and have a professional guide you through it. No matter what, I think anyone listening can take some of this conceptualization, these ideas and go, oh, this is a common pattern. Maybe I fall more into this category than the other. And I know if we work as a team, me and my partner, we can start moving more towards this middle. And that middle point is what I'm talking about is connection. We can have a more fulfilling, meaningful set of interactions which is basically what a relationship is. So having mm -hmm. that is cool. Yeah. And I think that's the goal yeah. to work towards. And so I instill yeah. in my individuals and couples, yeah. look, this is the goal and this is the ideal, so to speak. People are going to fall short of it. And if you're the only individual coming in for work, please know that. And if you're listening to this and you're the one who's like, oh my God, I know this about my partnership and they're yeah. it's usually the anxious person listening to this. And they're like, how do I get my avoidant person? Yeah. do blank right yeah. it's you explaining to them and saying look I listen to this podcast I this I that and it's not about bribery or manipulation it's <laughs> I would it's and it, you can actually state it as a need because I, I have had success with clients who have said this it's like I need you to listen to this and it's not about trying to fix you it's not about trying to start a fight or anything it's like mo more of an exasperated just like please just listen to this because it's crazy making being on this roller coaster. Neither of us like it. Can we try and make this work? Right. Can we just try and listen to this and try and implement some of the strategies? And it is not, it's not to say that 
every couple who you don't have to go to therapy to work through this. But if you are an anxiously attached person or an avoidantly attached person listening to this and you'd like to get off the roller coaster, please go to therapy. Like neither of you or your partner, if you're in this dynamic, this like figure eight feedback loop, neither of you want to be on that roller coaster, right? Because we have, I want to get, let's say you're avoidant and I'm anxious. I want to get close to you, which then triggers you that causes space. Then I pick a fight. Then we have a short-lived reconciliation and then the cycle continues, right? If you're identifying this pattern in your relationship, please, please, please pick up a copy of Attached, read about attachment theory, read about strategies for self-soothing, read about strategies for connection, like Ryan was mentioning. It's too much to go through alone and you're not crazy. Like I'm here to confidently tell you if you're anxiously attached, you are not too much, right? You're not too much and it's not crazy if you call 36 times, you are being so triggered and it's the inner child in you that is really deeply fearing abandonment. However, if your avoidant partner can just call you back after the second missed call or send you a text that says, hey, sorry, I'm in a meeting, I'll call you as soon as I can, you won't get called 36 times, right? A lot of, a lot of what um, I hear is if we both made the effort, right? And I have the anxious people coming in my office making 100% of the effort in the relationship and doing even more than they need to be doing to try and fix it. And sometimes it isn't fixable and it doesn't mean that whoever's coming in to do the work isn't doing the work properly. I have avoided people come in too. You have to have both partners willing to work on it. Otherwise it will still feel like an uphill battle. So that's the, my caveat with this anxious avoidant deep dive with that kind of pattern that I notice it's workable, but it's actually a lot easier to work through this if you have either support from an individual therapist or a couples therapist, or you actually have your partner on board with this, right? If they're actively fighting against trying to end the cycle, it's not going to be a, like you were describing, which is working towards security, working towards that more healthy relationship. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely agree that if both partners are thinking about these themes and noticing these styles, then that's going to be what really leads to healing and growth for sure. In this idea of it, you know, I agree with you that probably most likely if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in these things, you might have more of that. You're more likely to have that anxious style. So for, for those people who are noticing that or feel like they're putting in the work and their partner may not be on board yet, or they don't feel like their partner is, I think two pitfalls to look out for, first mm-hmm. of all, is shaming and blaming language or attitude. Sure. A lot of times I can hear the partner who is trying to do all this work, is the one listening to the podcast, reading books, going to their, their partner and saying, hey, I need this. And what they're missing is, sometimes the or frequently the avoidant person any can get into this like space where when they hear their partner's need their emotional experiences they feel criticized so then they feel shame that's what's overwhelming i'm not good enough so i'm going to withdraw that's the self-fulfilling prophecy so if you are the anxious person putting all this work in really notice how much is a I need you to do this, or you never do this, or whatever it is, and really, really be honest with yourself. Like, hey, is there any way that I'm shaming or blaming my partner by not being good enough? Because I guarantee you, if you are the anxious person and you bring these wonderful ideas to your avoidant partner, any subtle, small suggestion that your avoidant partner isn't showing up enough for you will just guarantee you the response you don't want, which is the shutdown. Yeah, it's about Uh, how you frame it. Yeah. And so a really quick tip 
um, that is like pretty common in the therapy world for people yes. is what we call I feel statements. Yes. Um, and so it's a really simple little mini script. I feel blank when I blank. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll notice there's two eyes in there, no use. You just, I mean, this is just very quick, right into more details, but if you want a little something to try, I feel blank when I blank. I feel like you're an asshole when I don't get a call back. Yeah, that's not how we do that. (laughs) Um, People listening are like, I'm done. I'm just kidding. Um, You know, I feel really alone when I think that I'm (laughs) by myself. I was literally just repeating myself. I feel really alone when I think that I'm uncared for, whatever that is. Um, and you'll notice, like, even I had to think hard about that. Like, hey, how, because I was actually trying to make up a scenario yeah. in my head. But, like, it, it can take a lot of skill to do that. Anyway, so that's just the first pitfall. If you're bringing these really important needs and genuine, watch your shaming, blaming. Yep. Um, and I already forgot the second one. So give me a moment. Uh, the second pitfall of when you're the anxious person not just in that shaming blaming space um yeah i don't remember what the other one was i have another one if it pops in your mind yeah yeah, go for it i'll I'll remember it yeah um i think being able to explain why this pattern happens is something also that i would like to include um the ups and downs that i was describing if you're anxiously attached you mistake that as love because that's what your attachment system is used to is i'm cared for i'm not i'm cared for i'm not i'm cared for i'm not And so you'll mistake that activated attachment, deactivation, activation for love. And that emotional up and down is exactly why you're so attracted to your avoidant partner because it's intermittent reinforcement. And I've talked about this with my college students. Like if you're getting intermittent positive reinforcement, it's the strongest reinforcement schedule behaviorally. So when you meet, if you're anxious and you meet somebody secure who you know is going to meet your needs, right? Consistent, not intermittent, but consistent reinforcement schedule. It's like, this is boring. They're safe. They're vanilla. Like, Uh I don't feel around them, Uh right? It's just, there's no, there's nothing there. Uh But then if I meet somebody who's avoidant, I'm like, ooh, intermittent positive reinforcement. I love this, right? Uh Activate or not activate, activate or not activate. Uh This is kind of like why women go for guys who are more of like, the asshole, the douchebag, the whatever. I'm not saying avoidant people are that. That's not a label, but this phenomenon is a little bit supported by I'm going to chase the person who makes me feel like it's love. It's also a bit of emotional codependency, right? So if you're avoidant and you're only feeling strong when you're independent and having a partner who needs you and pleads for you and really wants you fulfills some sort of power thing in your mind same for the opposite of if this person gives me what I want that means I'm recreating more power for myself as the anxious person that's like a small tendency of it not necessarily therapy wise but like our own human experience wise and when we look at that attachment system and that activation we pick patterns that are familiar to us it's repetition compulsion I'm very psychodynamic so that falls right in line with my style of therapy we repeat what we grew up with. And I know for myself, especially growing up with a little bit more inconsistency than consistency most of the time, I did have more anxious attachment in the beginning of having relationships. And I wish that somebody would have told me that. So now when I work with teenagers, that's like one of the first things we do. I'm like, we got to figure out your attachment style because this is going to come up in friendships too, right? So many people come in with social anxiety and I'm like, I don't think it's social anxiety. I think you're having a normal anxious attachment response, not shaming and blaming, but just calling it what it is. When you don't receive a text message back, what do you feel? Abandoned. 
that's not social anxiety, that's anxious attachment. So Mm -hmm. really working from the foundation that this can be healed and worked through. If you are single, it can, and young or whatever, and this can also be healed and worked through with your partner, but why they are so magnetically attracted is anxious people will mistake that roller coaster Mm -hmm. for love and avoidant people often, and it's not like power, like narcissists, but they enjoy having their level of independence, but also a little connection, a little independence and also a little connection. It's like just as much as they can stomach. So it's a recipe for a very strong, toxic bond. Potentially it can become toxic, but oftentimes it's just like, I am so magnetized to what I think I feel that love is and the safe love is boring. And I remember learning this in grad school um, is that the, the person that you feel like is safe and boring is the person you should end up with. Not the one that you're like not attracted to at all. We're not talking like this is a friend, but like yeah. the one where you feel like there's no activation happening. That's the person that you should be with for life. Cause I can promise you after having been in all types of relationships, I would never go back to dating somebody who's avoidant. And I can sniff it out like that now yeah. at this point in my life. Like it's very obvious. Yeah. And, and this, this idea you're talking about how you experience love, that's where I go back to templates, is the, the template for someone who's anxious, what you're describing is that roller coaster, that up and down, that yep. really intense intermittent um, reinforcement, yes. because that's how they learned love felt like. Yep. And what we're talking about, what you're saying about this sort of going for the more boring experience, that's rewriting that template of, oh, yep. that's what secure, safe, intimate connection can be like. That actually is the strong bonding of love. So I love and that. if we didn't have it modeled for us, right? If our parents didn't have that kind of love, then it's like, that didn't what? Make sense. Like, and your sorry, brain, you want, to, you want to see me regularly, yeah. right? Then and we almost brain, become avoided. Yeah. Yeah. And your brain already got trained to do one thing, really. Um, real quick, because I know we got to wrap up. Yes. Uh, I did remember that second thing, the other pitfall okay. that I was thinking of in this anxious um, example, which yes. is. Um, there's different paces of, of feeling and processing. So right. an anxious person who, again, if you're listening and you want to bring all these ideas to your partner, this is where I was coming from the pitfall, is your pace of connection is very fast, which means that if you want to talk about something, you want it now. And if you don't have your partner available to you immediately, and in a one night of not talking about something is a lifetime and it is painful and distressing. Yes, exactly. Versus the avoidant person has a much slower pace of processing, which means you can (laughs) raise the issue one day and probably maybe a week later, that avoidant person has processed it enough and it's safe enough to talk about now. Exactly. So that's just the pitfall I'm sharing is like, hey, that's how those can play out. So if you're noticing from this earlier example, if you're the anxious person and you really want to talk, you want to bring this, and you want to make sure your partner's doing the work, notice that it's part of it is slowing your pace down and uh, being okay with, okay, I know I want to talk about this now and I don't want to go to bed thinking about this. And that's the pitfall. If I demand that that needs to happen in this moment honoring that perhaps your avoidant partner has a slower pace of processing and needs more time to even get to the table to have a productive conversation. So that's mm-hmm. something I was about. Different paces. Yes. yes. Different paces. And if those paces don't match up, you don't have to be with that person. Like yeah. I'm here to be like really honest. Like if that, if that does not work for you and it feels like more emotional labor than it's worth. And that's ever up to everybody to decide if you're in this roller coaster and you like it and you want to work through it. Great like totally doable. If you look at this and you're like, yeah, I'm fucking done. Like 
I don't, I don't necessarily know if I want the secure person, but I know that what's going on for me right now is like, I'm spending more update, more days upset and crying than happy in this relationship. That's time for me to call it, right? Or I'm spending more days feeling too engulfed. That's time for me to call it. Whatever you choose to do in your relationship, this is a worthwhile pattern for you to take a look at if this has played out in your life at all. And you can definitely seek help. And if you have questions about this topic or more, we would be happy to answer them via email or DM us on Instagram. I have a feeling this episode will probably get quite a few responses from both sides of the pond, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, you and I, this is totally our jam. So we love talking about these attachment styles and of course, anything about your relationship. So yeah, shoot us some emails. You can ask your relationship questions to us, Ryan and Talia at the couples guide podcast.com. And you can slide in our DMS at the couples guide podcast. And I will respond to the anxious people immediately. And I will give (laughs) the avoidant people a one week turnaround time. (laughs) Game plan acquired. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care and care. (laughs)